Please be seated. So this Sunday, if you see the top of your bulletin, is Christ the King Sunday. It's an opportunity for us in the worldwide universal church to come together and celebrate, well, really a couple of things. One, this is the end of the Christian year. This is the last Sunday in the Christian year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. We start an entirely new year in the church. It's also the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's not by coincidence. We have a lot to be thankful for in the church, especially if we remember that very soon we will be celebrating the coming of the Christ child into the world. And we have to remember that that first advent, that first coming of the Christ child into the world was to prepare us, to prepare the world for the second coming of Christ the King. And hence the title of this Sunday, Christ the King Sunday. But because it's Thanksgiving also this coming week, I want to talk to you just a little bit about thankfulness. Around this time of year, most of us sit around the table with family. And usually we're asking the question, what are you thankful for this year? Right? And if you're sitting in a large family gathering with family and friends, maybe you've rehearsed something to talk about. When it comes your turn to say what you're thankful for, you've thought about it in advance. What I usually end up thinking about this time of year is what if, just what if, I didn't have family gathered around? What if I didn't have any family that I was close to, to celebrate with? What if I didn't have the means to put a turkey on my table? What if I didn't even own a table? And so I think it's good that we ask ourselves this question, what have I to be thankful for? Now, depending on your circumstances, the tone of that question may vary. Your experience may vary. Depending on where you are, who you are, what your life experience has been, or what kind of order or maybe disorder you find yourself in, the tone in which you ask yourself the question may vary. Because if life is good and circumstances are in your favor, your tone may be downright joyful. In fact, you might express that question as more of a statement of favor. You look around at your abundant life, at your family and friends gathered at your Thanksgiving table where you have the resources to actually put a meal on the table and you might take stock of that and say, look what I have to be thankful for. Now on the other hand, if life is tumultuous and chaotic, if your future is maybe a little bit uncertain, if your lot in life has not been one of favor, then your tone might be more like, what on God's green earth do I have to be thankful for? 
comes down to circumstances, doesn't it? In the natural world, it sometimes comes down to circumstances and our circumstances tend to dictate the tone in which we express or fail to express thankfulness. And I think that perspective generally holds true until we understand just exactly what it is for which we should be truly thankful. Now, as I said, I often think about those that don't have at this time of year. I want to tell you the story of a homeless man that I once knew. His name was Thaddeus. I may have talked about him in Bible study before. I can't remember, but about this time of year, he always enters my thoughts. Not sure where he is now. Last I heard, he was in New Mexico, which is where he's from. He's a 57-year-old widower. He came to Texas from New Mexico, and when he got here, as he came to seek employment, when he got here, he found himself sick and in the hospital instead of gainfully employed. And I went to visit him while he was in the hospital at this time, and he had suffered a stroke and a heart attack, and he just had open-heart surgery, and he was about 10 days out of that surgery, and the hospital was releasing him to home health care. The only problem was Thaddeus didn't have a home. His home was typically underneath a highway somewhere. Now, some of the folks I was in ministry with to the homeless at this time had gone to visit the hospital and they checked in on Thaddeus and they said, the pastor is coming to see you. And he said, I want to see him. I don't want to see the pastor. So I entered his hospital room and he was awake and alert in bed and he recognized me even though he was a little bit medicated. And as I knew him before, I ministered to him underneath the overpass. He looked up and he grumbled at me. They told me you'd be coming. And I told them I wasn't interested in having any visitors, most especially someone to preach at me. Well, I told them they didn't give me the message, so here I am. And I could tell that our visit was not off to a promising start. But I thought I'd hang in there and see where it went. And I sat down in the chair next to the bed and I asked him one simple question that I'm fairly certain missed the mark because as I looked at him straight in his grumpy, unshaven face, I asked him, Thaddeus, how did you get here? And he looked at me just as seriously and he said, ambulance. <laughs> I said, Thaddeus, that is not what I mean, and you know it. I, I want you to tell me how you ended up here all the way from New Mexico. Tell me how you ended up here in this hospital bed recovering from a stroke and open heart surgery with no place to go, nowhere to go and rest and recover, no family or friends to look in on you. And he thought for a minute and he said, 
Preacher, I'm not at all certain how to respond to that. He said, I left New Mexico for a construction job. I truly needed work and the job was provided to me and it paid for a long-term hotel room and for the things that I needed to live and then I got sick and I couldn't work. I had a stroke and then heart surgery and some kind people brought me to the hospital when I had my stroke and my heart attack and they got me admitted so that I survived and now I'm being released to home health care but I'm worried because I don't have an address for them to go to. He said, but, and this is the thing that really caught me off guard, all that list of things that had gone wrong in this man's life, and he said, but, this morning they sent me a caseworker, and she's, think, she's found some place for me to go. And now you're here, even though I didn't want you to be. He says, you know, when, when it gets right down to it, things are looking up. And the only way I could respond was, it seems to me God has provided for you in your time of need. And he said back to me, it seems that way. And if I could quote him directly, he said, it's the doggone craziest thing because I surely don't deserve it. See, in his own gruff, rough around the edges way, Thaddeus was expressing thankfulness. Thankfulness in a way that I think we'd all agree was kind of counterintuitive to what the natural world's response would be if we were in that situation. If we look at his circumstances, he would have every reason, I would think, not to be thankful. But God has, ma has made His presence known in this situation showering him with what could only be called provenient grace. That kind of grace that's available to everyone, saved and unsaved people alike. Even though, like every one of us, he didn't deserve it, God was showering him with grace. Grace that he received because God's love, because God loved him, and for no other reason. Now it occurs to me that what Thaddeus was on the verge of discovering is what we as believers already know. Thaddeus was being lavished upon with God's provenient grace, while those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, those of us who are saved in Christ, have the benefit of that grace in a different way. We call it justifying or saving grace. And it's only made possible through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thaddeus was on the verge of discovering this. And so, something within him was causing him to be thankful. See, nobody under, 
understood the distinction between that prevenient grace that comes before a relationship with Christ and that justifying grace that comes when you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nobody understood the difference better than Paul. And he talks about it in his letter to the Colossians. It's in the first chapter starting at verse 11. He says, May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from His glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then, in case the Colossians didn't know who Jesus is, in case we forget who Jesus is, He reminds us in the next couple of verses. He says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in Him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He Himself is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might come to have first place in everything. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of His cross. Paul is telling us to stick it out through the tough times, not by, by relying on our own power, not on willpower, but by relying on God's power. God's power is the kind of strength that endures the unendurable. It's the kind of strength that spills over into joy and causes us to thank God the Father who makes us strong enough to see the beautiful in the midst of the ugly. To see the peace in the middle of the chaos. To see the brightness and the hopefulness of the light that cuts through the darkest night of our souls. This is the God who rescues us from the pit and transforms us and transports us into the midst of the Holy Trinity by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you as a believer in Jesus. This is the God who sets you up for life in the kingdom of the Son that He loves so much. This is the God who sets you up for life. And still we ask, what have I to be thankful for? Think about it. We look at the sun and we see God who can't be seen. 
We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose in everything that He created. Everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible. In Jesus, we see God's purpose for us. And still we ask, what have I to be thankful for? We look at the Son of the Most High God and we see that He holds it all together. He was supreme in the beginning. He will be supreme in the end. From beginning to end, He is there above everyone and everything. And He is towering above my circumstances, whatever they may be. He's bigger than all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, including all the broken pieces of my life. He fixes things. He fixes people. He fixes relationships. He fixes circumstances. All things get properly fixed and put back together in perfect harmony, all because of His death, His poured out blood, pouring down from the cross, covering my transgressions and giving me new life because of His victory over death. It's through Jesus that we share in the resurrection. And even then, we have the audacity to ask, what have I to be thankful for? And so maybe this Thanksgiving, you might Think about what true thanksgiving is. True thanksgiving is understanding that your circumstances don't define your worth. They don't define your place in the kingdom of God and they certainly don't dictate your joyfulness. True thanksgiving is accepting the free gift of grace through Christ and choosing to abide in Him in good times and in bad times. Why? Because for in Him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things, including you and me, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of His cross. And for that, we can be truly and forever thankful. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.